Well, we're excited today to have Brother Matt Jordan. He's the pastor of Rocky Mount Primitive Baptist Church in Arab, Alabama, with us on the show. Um, I will I'll link to Rocky Mount's website and their Facebook page in the show notes. It's a great follow on social media. Brother Matt, I don't know how he does it, but he's putting content out, it seems like, every day. So, Brother Matt, uh, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Brother Josh. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I appreciate your efforts in uh, in putting this podcast together and uh, been praying for you and i know many others have and we'll continue to pray that the lord will bless your efforts and in whatever way uh, any small way that i can participate uh, and, and praise the lord and again i appreciate you uh you having me on thank you brother matt well uh, the, the one of the, the thing that I talked to Brother Matt about joining us today to talk about is uh, a verse found in Acts chapter two, and really as as we look out as American Christians, we can't help but see that we're we're basically in a mess. Our the society in which we live is is void of judgment. Uh, to put it like the Bible would say, we live in a society now that calls evil good, and things that are good we call evil. And the question that I have a lot and that other people have asked me is, is what, what can we do? And certainly there are things that we can do, and we're blessed uh, with a form of government that allows us to do certain things. But a lot of times I think we forget one thing that we can do. And there was a group in Acts chapter 2 that asked Peter that very question, what shall we do? And, of course, Peter told them to repent and be baptized, uh, that is, uh, to turn from their sins, to turn from the way that they were thinking, and to submit to baptism, become a part of the church. Uh, but then it says, with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we think, how can we save this nation? And I think we forget to first think, how can I save myself? <laughs> and so... I brought Brother Matt on today to talk about that verse and then uh, just expound on some ways that we can do that. But one of the first questions that I have when you read this is is we know, and as we've talked about on this podcast, if we talk about our beliefs, if you visit our website, that salvation, going to heaven, being saved from your sins, being regenerated, all those things are an act of the Lord alone. They're They're a monergistic work, an act of one. But here Peter clearly says to save yourselves, that there's an act that you're going to perform. There's a work that you're going to do to save yourselves from this untoward generation. So I'm going to turn it over to Brother Matt at this time, and could you just expound upon that? What, how, do we, how do we, first of all, rightly divide this scripture, and then we'll look at some ways that maybe we could, uh, we could save ourselves or deliver ourselves from this untoward generation? Right. Brother Josh, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I guess a lot of preachers say that about a lot of passages of scripture, but it really is because we see in this second chapter of Acts, the launching forth, if you will, of of the church, uh, because it's about to launch into the world, and we can learn so much from the scene and from this passage. We we want to be scriptural in everything that we do, you know, to the best of our knowledge, best of our understanding. Right. We, we want to look like the church as Jesus established it and as the apostles laid that foundation. 
not only in doctrine, but in practice. And there's no better place to go than, I think, the scene that we have here in Acts chapter 2, the early church. Beautiful passage that where Peter is preaching this sermon. And wouldn't you have been, wouldn't you have loved to have been there? <laughs> wouldn't you have loved to have been there that day listening to uh, the Apostle Peter's sermon? Absolutely. Often, I've always thought about that in, in verse 40, where it says, with many other words, did he testify right. and exhort? I'd like to hear those. Right, right. Would have loved. We have recorded um, the meat of the sermon, I guess you could say, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and then, but with many other words, right? And as you, as you pointed out, there's, uh, there's more than one aspect of salvation. Now, we might use different terminology. You might say there are two salvations or two or more salvations. Some people will say different phases of salvation, uh, different aspects of salvation. Scripture plainly teaches that there is um, this aspect of salvation that is affected by what we do, by our faithful obedience. It is very much dependent upon and, and affected by that. Obviously, eternal salvation, the new birth, as you, as you clearly pointed out, that's a work of God, work of God alone. We see in Scripture that that work is attributed to God the Father in, in some passages. It's attributed to God the Son, and it's attributed to God the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that God, the triune God, is in perfect harmony uh, in, in, work, in that work, that work of salvation, eternal salvation, the giving of life. Here Peter says, save yourselves. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And the question, as you well know, Brother Josh, has become a, a very important question to ask when you see the word save or any form of that word is save from what? And it may be uh, that we we have used that more and more um, in recent years, but it's it's a question that needs to be asked that will help us rightly divide Scripture. When we see there are conditions set forth, conditions that we must meet, some act that we must carry out, some work that we must do, conditional salvation. Some people call it conditional time salvation is a phrase that we that we hear sometimes. It is an aspect of salvation that without you and I meeting those conditions or acting in faithful obedience, we will miss out on. We will not be saved in that sense and from that with that Concerning that aspect of salvation, we will not enjoy it. I like to think about that aspect as, as kingdom experiences, experiences that we have here in the kingdom of God as children of God. I've also heard the term temporal salvation or experiential salvation. It is an experience of the eternal life, the eternal salvation that God has wrought within us. And I don't know about you, Brother Josh, but I, I like to um, I like to try to experience that every day that I live. I, I don't uh, live up to that expectation and that hope uh, as I would like, but it is something that it, 
the new birth is a one-time thing, right? Right. And uh, this aspect of salvation, where Peter, for example, is saying, save yourselves, this is something that we can experience and we hope to experience continually in our lives. So it's a, it's a salvation for those who are already saved. Amen. Uh, Amen. And I think that's, I mean, that's one of the keys that really unlocks the Bible is when you understand that there are different aspects, phases, senses of salvation taught in the Bible. Because, you know, we have, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, we have verses that talk about women being saved in childbearing. And um, mm-hmm. Paul would talk to Timothy and say, if, if you continue in the doctrine, uh, especially, I mean, this is, this is a saved man, a, an apostle, right, and to a saved man, a preacher, saying if you continue in them, you'll save yourself and those that hear you. So here in that verse in particular, Timothy is responsible for saving people that are going to hear him. Well, we know that can't be going to heaven. Um, right. So to me, that un- once I saw that years ago, that, that unlocked the Scripture for me. I believe it's one of the most uh, enlightening doctrines or aspects of, of Bible study that I've ever come across. It truly is. Uh, when you, you look at verses like ones that we love so well, Matthew one twenty one, um, she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You ask a couple of questions. Saved from what? Ask the question, who is doing the saving? Matthew one twenty one is pretty obvious. Jesus shall save his people from their sins. When you, when you look at, for example, you, you mentioned the words of uh, the Apostle Paul to Timothy. I think that's First uh, Timothy chapter 4, near the end of that chapter. The young minister, Timothy, has the opportunity to save himself. And, and I think it's, that's going to be very closely related to what uh, maybe what we can talk about from this uh, verse of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. But Timothy has the opportunity to save himself, if you look at the context, from, from being unprofitable or the, that unprofitableness that comes through neglecting his own gift. He is going to be delivered. He can deliver himself through the through his preaching from from many of the um, afflictions and and reproaches that that come upon ministers of the gospel. His his own deliverance really will will come through him being a good and faithful minister. And then, as you pointed out, he has the opportunity to save others. That, that take heed to his preaching. They'll be saved from deceit and from error. They will, they will be saved from being unprofitable servants in the kingdom of God here in the world. So there's many things that we can be saved from. And that's, again, that's key, as you've pointed out, that, uh, that unlocks some of this, um, well, unlocks this great subject of salvation. Salvation itself is a huge subject. I think about 1 Corinthians 15. That's an interesting passage there as Paul begins to write about um, 
the the foundation of the gospel itself, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he writes to the church at Corinth, they had received the gospel, they had received his preaching, they were standing in the gospel, and he says concerning the gospel, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. You know, that passage, that verse, it scares me in a way, Brother Josh, because I, I sometimes my memory doesn't work very well. And uh, But here's, the, here's an aspect of salvation that is dependent on me keeping in memory what I've heard. Now, I think the context is, is directly uh, related to the, that very foundational truth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And when I keep that, the, the gospel is many things, right? The gospel message contains many truths, many principles. But the foundation of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, if I keep that in memory, according to Paul, there's going to be deliverance there. There's going to be deliverance of a, of a particular type that comes through keeping in our memory that foundation, keeping that truth that delivers us from, from deception, deception in, in the face of the enemy, um, hopelessness in the face of death. And I think that's what Paul is writing about in First Corinthians chapter 15. And hopelessness, deception, keeping in memory the gospel, that foundational truth especially, delivers us from the, from the discouragement that comes upon us. You know, but just from the, from the weakness of my sinful flesh, that discourages me quite often. And now I have to keep in memory. I have to go back and remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I'm delivered. Now, that's an aspect of salvation that is not eternal salvation. That is an experience here in time, uh, an experience in the kingdom of God. It is uh, one way in which we save ourselves. You, you mentioned their eternal salvation, and, and we've kind of talked about different aspects of salvation, but just... Real quick, would you mind just giving the listeners just a synopsis, I guess, of what when we say eternal salvation or temporal salvation or time salvation, but looking at that that eternal or, or as I said earlier, a monergistic work, that work of God for saving us to heaven, can you kind of expound on that for just a moment to kind of give everybody a, a glimpse of what we're talking about? One, one verse that comes to mind that I, I think, is a good starting point. There's several that are good starting points. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. When we're talking about eternal salvation, the giving of life, that work that is, as you said, monogistic, it's, it's God's work and God's work alone uh, without our assistance, without our help, um, frankly, without our cooperation, because it, it, it is the new birth, it is being born again, it is, it is a resurrection, in fact. It is the giving of life 
we understand scripture to teach that we are dead in trespasses and in sins, right? We right. understand scripture to teach that we come into the world with that nature that is dead in sin. We all come into the world alike with that same nature, that same fallen nature. As Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, we are no different than the children of wrath. We're no different from others. The only And what makes the difference is that sovereign work of God. And in that passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes, God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So when we talk about eternal salvation, you really have to go all the way back to before creation. God purposed it. God gave us grace. He established his purpose in Christ even before the world began. So um, during the course of our lifetime, as it, as it pleases God, he sends forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, makes us alive, creates a new creature within us. As I said, the, the Bible describes this work of God, the new birth, as a resurrection. It also describes it as a creation. And so God being the only life giver, uh, he has to work first, and he works alone in that work of, of creation creating a, a new life. So that's eternal salvation. That's being born again. There is a difference between being born again and being saved. I say there's a difference. Uh, this aspect of salvation um, that, that we enjoy after we have been born of the Spirit. So uh, in, a, in a simple way made to say that is if you run across any scripture that talks about being delivered, b being saved by something that you do or that you cooperate with, you can automatically know that that doesn't have to do with you being regenerated or going to heaven, right? Amen. Amen. All right. That's right. That's well, let's, right. let's go back to Acts chapter 2 now because okay. that is exactly what Peter is saying. He's saying here that to be saved, there's something you must do. You you must save yourselves, right? There's an act that you must perform. So expound upon, as, as we look at this and we say it's for a great, great advice for American Christians today, what here, save from what? That's the question you ask. So what is Peter saying in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40? When Peter says save yourselves, uh, immediately we we understand that this is, an aspect of salvation. This is a saving that we are actively involved in, actively involved in. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That's a word we don't use very much, I don't guess. Um, simply means crooked or perverse, this perverse generation. And there's language in, in Philippians chapter 2 that, that Paul uses over there. It's very similar. Um, that we are living in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Every culture, every generation, uh, since time began, I suppose, or at least since the fall, 
could say the same thing, that we live in a, an ungodly world. We live in the midst of a culture that is opposed to the things that we hold dear. We live in, in, the, in a world that is, sometimes I say, not friendly to the Lord's people. Well, it's really worse than that. We live in a world that is, uh, that is an enemy to the Lord's people right. and to the Christian faith in particular. And so how do we do, what do we, what do we do to save ourselves, to deliver ourselves, to, to separate ourselves really from this perverse generation? <laughs> I'm sure there's a number of ways that that, that could be answered, but I have thought recently that it's really, it, it's vital to look, a couple of verses on down to to see what the church or what these believers, these new believers, to see what they were doing or began to do in in response to Peter's exhortation. And I, I think it's I think it's important to make this connection. If you look at verse forty two of Acts chapter 2, these new believers, the church, it was they were described as, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I like to break that verse down because it says, it says so much. First of all, I see that one verse as kind of a, kind of an umbrella that that covers the activities that that the church is to be engaged in right preaching and teaching of God's word fellowship with one another breaking of bread I, I think that's communion some might think that it's some more fellowship as in you know going house to house breaking bread and having meals and that's fine too I think that was a part of it as well and and in prayers but when you begin to break that verse down, that phrase continued steadfastly is, is critical. It means to be earnest towards, to be constantly diligent. So in response to Peter's words, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now we know, we know that many were baptized on that day of Pentecost in particular. What was there? 3000. And they were added to the church. And then, and then immediately after that, we have this description. This saving ourselves is not a, a one-time thing. Saving ourselves from this untoward generation is a daily pursuit. That's right. It has to be. <laughs> and, and so the description that we have there of them continuing steadfastly it points both to to the to the object of their worship, Christ, and to the place of worship. We think of the assembly of the saints being that's the church. That's the church being gathered. The physical location doesn't really matter. The assembly of the saints. So these people were saving themselves, delivering themselves from that ungodly, perverse nation perverse 
culture, that ungodly world around them. They were delivering themselves by continuing steadfastly, by being constantly diligent, being, well, having a consistent and continual commitment to Christ and to the assembly of the saints. That, that's key. Anything else we may do without that is it, going to fall short. So I think that that's at least a beginning point. And it is key, um, again, as a, as a daily pursuit, as a lifetime pursuit, a continual commitment to Christ and to the church. In verse 41, you, you reference to that, that after Peter says that you're to save yourselves from this untoward generation— the ones that weren't offended by that statement, they were they gladly received that word and were baptized, which baptism is the the first step to entering the kingdom of God, the church of God, right? Uh, right? Baptism into the church, and so they were added to the church, as you mentioned. Um, but they they sought refuge from the perverse, perverted generation in which they lived in the church of God. That's what you're saying, right? Amen. Amen. And so Amen. for any of us today that want to save ourselves, that look out at this world and, and everything that's going on, and you think, what can I do? Well, the message is still the same. You can save yourselves from this perverse generation by devoting yourself to Christ and to His church. Amen. Um, Amen. You know, I love what you said there. They continued steadfastly in these things. They were devoted to it on a daily basis. You know, Literally. if you if you joined a gym to get in shape, and you went once, right, or you went mm-hmm. twice a month, you you probably wouldn't see much uh, much gains or, or or losses or whatever you're looking for, right? Right. And a lot of <laughs> right. times we treat the church like that, right? We we mm-hmm. we we join the church or we 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 try to be devoted to the church, and but we're not continuing steadfastly in it. It's not a it's not a daily thing that we're seeking through God's word. Or we talk about many of the resources that are available. I talked about your writings online. We live in we live in a time where if you are spiritually malnourished, you've got a problem, right? I mean, there are resources are abundant today. Um, Amen. But the problem is we don't continue steadfastly in those things. Um, so I love I love where you're going there because that the church is our. I know in my my life personally. The church has been a refuge to me. Amen. And and it and it should be. It should be. Now the, the church is many things and, and we 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 assemble ourselves first and foremost to worship. But there's so many blessings. And as you said, it, a place of refuge. There's there's comfort to be found there. There's peace to be found there. And again, this, this description that where the, the early church was, they had this consistency and this commitment. And, and it was not only to, not only, well, everything that was taking place, I'll say activities, if you will, all of the activities of the church. The writer says the apostles' doctrine, the teaching and the preaching of the gospel such a sweet message of, of peace and comfort. Now there's, there's admonition, there's correction, there's instruction in righteousness, there's, there's exhortation, there's encouragement, there's everything. 
everything that we as children of God need to remain spiritually healthy, it comes to us through the gospel, through the teaching and preaching of God's word. The early church was committed in a, in a deep, consistent manner to, to that teaching and preaching, not only to hearing it, but applying it. He mentions fellowship, fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Where, where else will we ever find um, a relationship that, well, let me put it a different way. The bond that we have with brothers and sisters in Christ, it is the strongest bond in all of the universe. It's the love of God. Where are we going to find that kind of relationship out in the world? We're not. And so, again, a, a consistent commitment to, to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Breaking of bread. If, if, that, is, if that includes communion, <laughs> there, there, you talk about refuge. A place where we can commune with our Lord, commune with our brothers and sisters, meditate and reflect on the the blood uh, and and the body of Christ partake of the bread and wine enjoy that sweet communion there's no place like it in the in all the earth brother Josh and um, and then prayers not just public prayers but th th that's that's public and private public and private prayer and so to be to be like the early church, do you think that we would, um, if we could, if we could just uh, achieve a, a degree or some manner of of the kind of commitment that they had in in that day? Do you think that we might see a difference in this nation today? Well, I think the Bible says that these are these are the men that turned the world upside down. Amen. And they did Amen. that through a uh, steadfast devotion to those four things. You know, it's amazing to me how simple some of the answers to our questions really are. Um, you know, you would think, how do we save ourselves? How do we deliver ourselves? You would think it would be a, a, a complicated system, uh, but it's so simple. Devote yourself to the Lord's church, to his doctrine, to his people, uh, to his ordinances, uh, and to communication with him i mean those are the four things those are the mm. key to saving to saving yourself so my encouragement to our listeners would be just what you're saying ask yourself and i have to ask myself this brother matt because i am as the hymn writer said i am prone to wander my mind mm. is prone to wander every day and what am i what do i devote myself to you know we live in a in a, in a time we talk about so many resources well well, one of those things is is the constant news cycle. And, you know, yeah. they've got that thing down to an art where it's designed uh, to keep your attention at all times, 24-7 news. Sure. Boy, I can, I can become devoted to that. And when we do that, we lose, we lose, we lose sight of, of Jesus Christ. We begin to sink like Peter did when he was walking on the water, but then he saw the, the winds and the waves, and they were boisterous, and he began to sink. I feel that in my life, but when I'm when I'm in the right frame of mind and I'm keeping the main thing, the main thing, 
continuing steadfastly and, and, and reading of my scriptures, reading the Bible to, to learn of that apostle's doctrine. And, and, and there's nothing better, as you said it, there's nothing better than being together with those who share the same love uh, for Christ and his church. There's just nothing, there is nothing better than that. I read recently about the, the benefits of eating together as a family. So, and it was, I won't, I won't try to quote them here because I can't remember it, but it was staggering the benefits to the children as they get older, if, they've have, if, they, if they constantly have two or three meals a week with their parents. Um, you know, their, their GPAs are higher. They have a, a greater rate of staying out of jail or getting in trouble. And, and the thought hit me as I read that, well, if being with your natural family is good, being with your spiritual family is good. <laughs> sure, and that sure, fellowship amen. is a great thing. Um, and, of course, there's you know another subject for another time, perhaps, but there's so many parallels between our family and church, right? Right. So, so you would expect many of those same principles to, to apply. But then, then he says the breaking of bread and in, and in prayers, those four simple things um, that is the key, really, to deliverance. And this, this is what Paul, I thought of this as you were talking earlier. Paul talks about Christ who has delivered us in the first, I believe it's the first chapter of Galatians, from this present evil world. Mm. I don't know if there's a better way to describe our world. It's here and it's bad. <laughs> Uh, it but, is, but there's a way. There's a way that we can be delivered from that generation. Well, and you mentioned, you know, the answers sometimes are are so simple, and, and in fact, usually are very simple. Not always simple to to follow or simple to apply, obviously, but to understand the answers, it, it, they are they are simplistic in that respect, and as as Paul told Timothy about the, the, um, the perilous times that would come. So it's a similar message that Paul had for the young man, Timothy. He told us, he told Timothy, he tells us that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. You know, it's not going to get better, but I can't help but think of the very simple exhortation that Paul gave Timothy in, in that instance. He says, but continue. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Continue in the things that you know, the things that you've learned. We, we know these things. <laughs> it requires, obviously, priorities, prioritizing, and that requires sacrifice. And as you said, just just one example that draws our attention, uh, the, the constant news cycle, where there's so many attractions out there in the world that, that are continually trying to draw our attention. And, and we're, we're human. Uh, we, we allow that to happen at times. So whatever draws our attention begins to draw our time, and, and every other resource that we have, it will begin to draw those resources. And pretty soon, 
we are spent. We're drained. We have nothing left because we've devoted all of our attention to all of these other attractions. And so when we do show up at church, we're just there sometimes in bodily form and not much more than Or at least that's my case. I may be yeah. speaking for myself. Well, there's at least two of us that have that have been in that position, Brother Matt. And I mentioned sacrifice. It requires a sacrifice. As you continue reading that scene there in Acts chapter two, you know, those early believers, they were they were they were together. They're described as, as having all things common. They they sold their possessions and goods. They were sharing what they had with others. They were continuing daily, you know, with one accord and in harmony in unity and and it and it is such a well the the terminology there the word is, is the words are gladness and singleness of heart sounds like a sounds like a um, a joyful place to be <laughs> yep praising god praising god and having favor with all the people what what oh, more could, could you just, ask for just, right right what more right. could if you we ask could just for? go back there absolutely this this that's one thing about this crooked generation in which we live, and it's been true, like you said, since the fall of Adam, is is that it is really good at drawing your attention and making you think that's where the happiness lies in what in what the the, the crooked generation sees as important. It's so not true. The the true happiness is found in the kingdom of God. And I think you see that here is as daily they were they were they were glad uh, they were they were they eat, they would eat their meat with gladness and singles of heart praising god uh, i'm i'm excited mm-hmm. now brother matt this is a this has excited me and and probably refocused my mind on on really what i need to be doing uh, to deliver myself and you know the the thought came to me just just now and i'll flip over to acts chapter 16 i believe it is and you know that Philippian jailer. He asked what he must do to be saved, and and Paul said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house, thy family." Mm-hmm. Right. And right. so, not only can we, and we, we can we can end with this, but not only can we save ourselves from this untoward generation, but I know many listening, and and, and myself. You know, I have children, and I think, what about what about what about our children? What's the what's the best thing we can do for our children? Is it save in a five twenty nine plan and get them a good education? Is it uh, you know? Is it teach them a good work ethic? What is it? The mm-hmm. best thing you can do for your family. Let's see if you agree with this, brother Matt. The best thing you can do for your family, for your spouse, for your kids, is to be devoted to Christ and His church. Period. Amen. Amen. And. And you hit on a very important point. Everything that we do in the church today, we need to have the next generation in view. Right. It's true with our family. It's true as parents of children. It's true in the church as well. What we do today is influencing them, it's affecting them, and that influence and the effect that we are having on them, good, bad, or otherwise, will remain with them. 
uh, in some manner, on some level, we always need to have the next generation in mind. That is so true, Brother Matt, um, because what we do impacts them. And um, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining me uh, today to, to record this. And uh, I hope you even mentioned one subject already, uh, the, the difference between the, the spiritual family and the natural family or the, the uh, the similarity there. Maybe we'll have you back for that or, or something else. Uh, Brother Matt, you've been a, a good influence on me over the last few years, and I just want to publicly say that, how much I appreciate you and your ministry, Brother. Well, that's very kind of you, Brother Josh. I, I appreciate I'm encouraged by, by your ministry and by the things that, that I see you doing and hear you doing and uh, your effort here with this podcast. I appreciate you having me uh, participate. And uh, let's pray that the Lord will continue to bless. We will do that. Well, once again, uh, Brother Matt is the pastor of Rocky Mount Primitive Baptist Church in Arab, Alabama. That's in northern Alabama. Uh, We'll link in the show notes to that church and to their Facebook page. And then we'll link to a directory of churches across the the United States that if you want to save yourself from this untoward generation, if you want to to become a part of, of the Lord's church and follow Uh, as those believers did there in Acts chapter 2 in the Apostles' Doctrine and in fellowship with with other believers in the breaking of bread and prayers, uh, we'll we'll list a directory there where you can find a church in your area. So, Brother Matt, again, thank you, and uh, God bless. Thank you, Brother Josh. Lord bless.